Hi, everyone. Welcome back for another edition of the CIAC cast. I am Joel Cookson. I am very happy that you've decided to spend a little time with us here on the CIAC cast. I know our posting schedule has been a little bit erratic during the summer months, but that's what happens during the summer months. Things get a little bit erratic and a little bit unpredictable here at the CIAC, but we're we're back this week. Hope to be back on a little bit more of our regular every other week schedule now going forward as the calendar has flipped to August, which means that, believe it or not, the fall sports season cannot be all that far away. So hopefully we'll be back. I think we are going to be back in two weeks with a little bit of a fall football preview, uh, which will, I'm sure, be one of many previews we put together in the coming weeks. But for this edition of the CIC cast, a little bit of a different one. Those of you uh, are dedicated listeners, uh, both of you, might remember that last summer uh, I reached out to my friend John Reeves, who was a longtime athletic administrator and coach at the college level, someone I worked with at uh, my previous stop on the professional uh, professional ranks, and uh, just wanted to reach out to him and talk a little high school sports and sports in general and philosophy and all kinds of things like that. He's uh, he's he's a good friend. He's been a great mentor and and leader for me, and he's just someone who who thinks thoughtfully about high sc- about sports in general, in a way that not a lot of people that I know do. So I just enjoy having a conversation with him. So as we reached out to him last summer, we're going to do that again this time. Just a one-guest CIAC cast this week. I'm going to get back in touch with John Reeves and uh, and just toss uh, toss around some issues. So hopefully folks will enjoy that, admit that it's a little bit of a, uh, a navel-gazy kind of uh, podcast, but hopefully that doesn't... Uh, doesn't bother anybody too much. If it's not for you, of course, you can uh, just uh, hit that delete button, uh, that stop button, and uh, be back with us on the next edition. We will not be offended. But uh, just somebody, as I said, that I enjoy talking to and love getting in touch with John and, uh, and getting his perspective on things. So that'll be coming right up. First of all, of course, it's things you might have missed on CICsports.com. Despite the uh, the summer months, we have been relatively busy since our last uh our last podcast, which was when we posted that giant year in review that we hope uh, you checked out uh, last time up. We've had a couple editions of Linked Up, of course, as we always do. Some really good stories uh, from around the, uh, the state and around the country involving high school sports. So hope folks will check that out. Uh, posted a new edition of Inside the CIAC about the tournament selection process, tournament site selection process, excuse me, talking a little bit about um, where and how we end up at some of the neutral sites that we choose for our championship events. So hope folks will will take a look at that and get a little bit of insight into uh, how the hows and whys of that process and, and why things happen the way they do. Obviously, it's uh, not a, an all-encompassing look, but hopefully a deep enough dive that folks can can get a little bit of perspective and a little bit of thoughts on on the way things happen here at uh, the CIC. A couple posts about uh, staying involved in sports as an official. Um, you'll see a lot of stories these days, and uh, the ranks of uh, of high school sports officials, unfortunately, are are depleting. Um, and we really, it's it's uh, it's a legitimate concern across the country as well as here in Connecticut. We got to get those uh, those rosters up. So we're trying to appeal to to folks whose maybe college careers uh, came to a close at the athletics level um, this past spring, or maybe even high school careers came to a close, and they just want to stay involved as they uh, as they go forward. So consider becoming a high school sports official. We've got information there on how that can happen for you. Uh, as well as coming up on August 25th, the uh, USTA is sponsoring a high school day at the Connecticut Open for the high school tennis players across the state. So look for a post there on CICsports.com about that. 
um, some great information, a great opportunity for high school tennis players at the Connecticut Open in uh, New Haven. So hope folks will check that out as well. Also did a post, of course, the tournament packets and uh, handbook for the fall uh, are all up on CICsports.com. Did a little post pointing out some of the changes, uh, some of the noteworthy changes in some of those tournament packets for the upcoming season. Be sure you check out the relevant information there. Always a good idea to familiarize yourselves with those packets and uh, be sure you're up to date with all the dates and times and all the requirements and all that kind of good stuff. So hope folks will check that out as well. That's a little bit of the things that you might have missed on CICsports.com. Of course, Tournament Central has already flipped forward to the fall. We've got tournament dates there along with tournament packets, as I mentioned. Um, so you'll be able to get information there as well. And, of course, at uh, CICsports.com, all of the schedules for the fall are posted, so you can check out where your team is going. We'll be adding to that uh, as we go through the fall. So check out, uh, check everything out and get your, your schedule and your calendars marked for all the big games that you want to check out this fall season. So that's just a, a handful of things you might have missed on CICsports.com. Of course, hope you'll check them out. Follow us on Twitter at CIAC Sports, Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. Twitter, we've been doing a, uh, a weekly CIAC championship trivia on Wednesdays. We hope you'll uh, take a look at that. We've had, I think this is our third or fourth week. I'm recording this on a Wednesday, or excuse me, on a Thursday. I posted the question yesterday, and we'll have the answer shortly today. Those of you who listen to the podcast, maybe I'll, maybe I'll spoil the answer. How about that? A little dramatic tease, maybe a little later on, if you stick with me all the way through the podcast. But uh, it's just kind of a fun thing we're doing to try to keep people engaged in the summer and get everybody uh, looking forward to the fall. So Twitter, uh, CIAC Sports, Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports as well. Great way to follow all of the action coming up uh, this fall. So that's just a, a hint of the things you might have missed. Of course, we always so always like to bring you a message from our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. So drunk driving continues to take a terrible toll on the nation, claiming almost 10,000 lives each year. In 2011 alone, there were 9,878 fatalities on America's highways in which drunk drivers or motorcycle riders were involved. That works out to about an average of one fatality every 53 minutes. That is clearly way too many. So athletes, fans, and families, please always designate a sober driver to stay safe on the road. That a very important message. Of course, we also send along the message to avoid distractive driving. Just a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Just keep your phone in your pocket. Put it on silent so you don't hear those uh, those text message notifications and think, oh, I got to see who that was. No, you don't. You don't need to see who that was. The message will wait. Keep it in your pocket. Keep it tucked away in your bag. You don't need it until you get to where you're going. Please do not drive distracted. It's just a terrible idea. It's so unsafe. I was literally driving behind somebody on the way back from lunch today that I was convinced of staring at their phone and just seeing them swerve all over the road. It just makes you clench your teeth and hope that they get to where they're going safely and don't hurt anybody else, don't hurt themselves. It's just a terrible idea. Keep the phone parked away when you're behind the wheel. One text or call could wreck it all. So that is our message from the friends of the Connecticut Department of Transportation. Now let's reach out. Once again, my good friend John Reeves, former collegiate coach, for longtime former athletics director at a number of locations, including uh, University of Rochester, Stony Brook, and uh, Columbia University, and then, of course, worked with me at the Landmark Conference, a Division Three athletics conference. Just the nicest guy in the world and uh, somebody I love talking high school sports with. So, John, we're going to get on the phone with him. We hope you enjoy our conversation. And uh, here it is, our chat with John Reeves 
Very happy to be joined on the phone now by John Reeves. John, uh, as those of you who may remember, we, we spoke to him last summer as a, a former college coach, a former college uh, physical education teacher, a former college administrator, has held uh, any number of jobs, and uh, and more importantly for this uh, purposes of this podcast, is uh, a good friend and mentor to me and somebody that I just love uh, picking his brain on the world of, uh, of athletics. So, John, as always, we appreciate you taking some time to chat with me. My pleasure. Thank you, Joel. So I, I just personally love getting on the phone with John Reeves and, and talking about whatever uh, sort of issues or, or things that come to mind in the world of athletics, particularly in the world of, uh, of high school. And, and as I said, college athletics is kind of where John's uh, career was spent. But I uh, wanted to start out, and I know this is something that uh, has been in your mind lately as you've got some uh, some family members kind of going through this process. But uh some of the, the issues and challenges that exist in the world of youth sports uh, today uh, is sort of as they're structured now and how they, you know, interact or con- conflict with, with high school athletics. What have you seen, John, and, and what are your sort of your thoughts on, on some of the challenges of, uh, of, of navigating the kind of world of, of youth sports uh, in this era? Uh, where to start? That's, that's, that's a huge, huge area. Uh, and, and one that uh, provokes some concern on my part. But by and large, I want to make it real clear before I speak to the concerns uh, how important youth sport and high school sport is to young people, uh, boys and girls, young men and women, uh, because of the social, the physical, uh, the psychological, uh, the emotional benefits derived from that activity, and also what the activity in sport uh, keeps youth away from, i.e., on the streets after school and uh, doing things that could be uh, counterproductive to their development. So let me start by saying everyone involved in youth and, and high school sport is certainly blessed mm-hmm. to, to have the, the ability and the motivation to persist. Uh, so kudos to them and kudos to their mentors. My, my biggest concern as I, as I see my grandchildren uh, totally immersed in youth sport, I have, I have six grandchildren, all of whom, uh, between the ages of 14 and 20, all of whom are uh, involved quite, quite deeply in youth sport and formerly in high school sport. Mm-hmm. My main concern now, is, and it really came to light this past holiday season, uh, Christmas and New Year's, when uh, I attempted to reconnect with my family, all of whom are uh, a distance away, and could never really uh, get together with all of them. Uh, One example, uh, over the Christmas holiday, I spent time with my daughter, who lives in Atlanta, but also has a residence in Costa Rica. So I visited Costa Rica, and of course the family was segmented because of the, one of the children was involved in a, 
soccer tournament that took place in Orlando. Uh, one of the girls was involved in a cheerleading competition that was in Virginia. Uh, so therefore, people would come and go. What, what that led me to was, in spite of all the wonderful things about youth sport and how important it is to the development of children, I, I was prompted, and my daughter advised me not to, I, <laughs> I, I, I was prompted to write an article, hopefully for publication in one of the major uh, media outlets, talking about, okay, this is a great thing, youth sport, but can't there be some limitations? Can't we avoid tournaments in Orlando uh, on Christmas Day and on New Year's Eve? Uh, and can't we avoid tournaments on Sunday mornings uh, where children could uh, perhaps be more involved in uh, the serenity of a Sunday morning? whether that be religious serenity or not, and family get-togethers on major holidays. Yeah. It, it just seems to me that, great, let's do it. No problem going all around uh, the East Coast or actually the, the country. Uh, that's an educational experience in itself. But let's put some limitations on it so we don't lose all semblance of uh, family time. Yeah, no, I think that there's there's no no doubt that uh, you know that that there's there's so many opportunities now uh, available and and many of them you know are, are extreme and that's sort of the challenge uh, as our organization faces and you know that, that maybe some of the criticism we face at times is that we do and you know put restrictions on number of competitions and you know and if if kids com- commit to being a part of their high school team then they're not allowed to compete on outside teams during the season and that's part of you know the the feeling is that there there needs to be some boundaries on some of these things and whether or not that you know whether or not those are all uh, appropriate we certainly won't uh, uh, administer that right now but uh, it does seem as though it that, you know there there's there needs to be some some upper limits on some of these things and uh, uh, you know one of the 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 issues that that really has become I, I think you know, or phrases that's become such a, a hot button one of late is, you know, topics concerning overuse, you know, and, and kids, uh, you know, of a certain age and whether it's it's just healthy for them to be competing as much as they are competing in some of these venues, whether it's high school sports and then, you know, working out all the way through the off season or whether it's, you know, club teams that pick up immediately after the, the high school sports season. Is that something you've you would say you're concerned about, interested in, you know, what's your sort of view on sort of the thought on overuse and, and, and from a physical standpoint, if not from a mental standpoint? Yeah, that, that, that's an excellent point. And uh, one that I have given a little bit of thought to, it's kind of interesting. When I was a collegiate soccer coach, uh, the purist, and, and I wasn't a purist, uh, I'm being, being an American, <laughs> at least the purist, uh, felt that the ideal uh, frequency and distribution of games uh, contest was one a week was ideal. Mm-hmm. And, and then I get down to Florida to see my grandson play soccer, and it's not atypical for them to play uh, five games in three days. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm not a uh, athletic trainer or a uh, medical professional, but wow, I think this has to look be looked at more closely. Uh, you know, what what is the implication when it comes to overuse and over fatigue and extreme dehydration and uh, all of these things concern uh, are are a concern and I don't think they're being monitored that closely um, so so yes I, th I think it's it's an area Joel that uh, needs to be investigated even further than it currently is yeah, you talk about that, you know, the the volume of competition. Something that I've, you know, an opinion I've seen uh, articulated, um, and I think it it gets brought up a lot, you know, prominently. I think more in basketball than in other sports, but sort of the idea of the, you know, the the club sport culture where you're talking about, you know, five games in three days and that kind of thing, and how it de-emphasizes teams as opposed to sort of individual performance you know that when you're playing that many games maybe the result isn't as important you know as maybe when you're competing with your high school team and you're more focused on the team goals is that something that you've seen or, or you know thought that 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 is relevant or is that something that's maybe just overblown and is is just an easy criticism what are you any uh, any in inputs or thoughts on that issue I'm not sure I'm going to directly answer your, your your current question. That's all right. But in, in the note you gave me beforehand, I looked at uh, where, where you broached the subject of uh, individual versus uh, team uh, accomplishments in youth sport and mm -hmm. high school sport. And I, I kind of feel that we have a pretty good balance there, at least from what I have witnessed, I, I think that the, the, there's less emphasis on the superstar in, in youth sport. We're all aware of who they are when we follow a team. Right. But I, I think as a collective fan base, whether we be parents or grandparents or just fans, I, I think we kind of err on the side of, well, this is a team venture, and yes, there are superstars currently, but will they maintain the designation of superstar or will they eventually meld into uh, the unity of the team? And in that area, I've, I've witnessed a pretty good perspective. I don't, I don't see us making heroes out of uh, the youngster who, has to be, who seems to be a bit advanced at a particular time sure. in their development. Well, that's good. No, that's uh, that's I you know I think that sometimes that's an easy, it's an easy thing to to criticize without necessarily knowing whether it's true. So that's a, I think is a you know is a certainly a worthwhile discussion. Um, about one more one more thing on that, sure. and, then, and then of course the uh, a designation of a superstar is often different uh, depending on your perspective. If if you're the parent. Uh, you know, you often think, well, of course your kid is the superstar. Right. But you're usually wrong. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, well, that, that leads me into another, uh, you know, thing that it just seems like it's always uh, in the news, unfortunately, in the world of high school sports. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, that you're familiar with this and I know you dealt with and something we talked a lot about at the, at, even at the college level. Um, 
and that is sort of the involvement of parents, you know, with their athletes uh, and with the coaches and, and with administrators. I'm just wondering if you sort of have any any thoughts or you know suggestions or, or how you would sort of broach the idea. Say if you're if you're working with a coach uh, or as your perspective as a former coach to to sort of coming up with plans or, or how you would handle dealing with parents uh, of athletes um, and trying to help them deal with being parents of athletes uh, and, you know, keeping things in perspective and being reason, you know, realistic and, and not overstepping their bounds and all the kind of challenges and issues that come as a part of that. I, I was, I, again, in retrospect, uh, I don't think that I was very good at, uh, shunning unreasonable parents, I, I, even at the college level, even at the highest level of college athletics, if a parent had something to say, I would, I would listen. And then I would make the mistake of uh, responding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the moment you respond, uh, you get into it dialogue that seems to create its own legitimacy when indeed it may not have legitimacy. Right. Some of my colleagues I think handled it in a much in, in, a, in a better way in that they, they, they set up a barrier and it may, may sound cruel and it may sound unthinking but between the student athlete especially at the college level and, and the parent and would just not enter into a dialogue uh, with the parent. Now, which was the better way? I don't know. The only thing I can say is if you start to get into a debate about playing time or ability or a recognition of a student athlete with their parent, uh, you're pretty much in a losing situation because they are so focused on one individual uh, that it sometimes doesn't make sense. And some of the parents that I dealt with were, uh, uh, you know, very, very good at putting their thoughts down on paper. Many of them had a legal background. And you get yourself into a situation that I don't think is fair to the parent yourself or the student-athlete. So, again, I think my colleagues who set up a barrier uh, we're probably better off. Yeah, I know. We always talked about that. That was, you know, that that was almost one area where you could use it as a learning tool for those athletes. You know, and sort of say, if you have challenges or, or concerns with your coach, it's your responsibility to to handle them or bring them up yourself. That that's you know, and again, that's at a college level where you're dealing with a little more sophisticated, uh, you know, or mature. I guess probably is a better word. Uh, athlete but it's probably true at the high school level as well that you know trying to ask the kids to to approach the coach um you know and and be their own mouthpiece so to speak rather than a than an adult is is an excellent learning tool and is an excellent learning opportunity and maybe that's uh it when when possible try to op- you know keep those lines of communication open so that they can be uh can be learning uh opportunities for the, for the athletes I, th- I think you, you you have your finger on the pulse of, of the correct answer. De- deflect the, the uh, dialogue uh, to the folks that can really make a difference. And of course you're gonna, you're gonna 
very often, in a sense, you're going to put the student athlete at a disadvantage because, uh, you know, you would think given the experience and so forth, the coach is in a, in a more dominant position. But still in all, I, I, I think it's the way to go. Let, let them work out the problem and you stay as far away from it as you possibly Work out the challenge and stay as far away from it as possible until or unless it gets to the point where a coach is, and they do, uh, where a coach might become abusive or, or so authoritarian uh, so as to cut off communication completely. And I think uh, shame on the coach if that happens. Yeah. Um, I'm always curious, and, and one of my favorite, the, the benefits of athletics, the, 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 the areas that you mentioned at the, the start of our conversation, you've always articulated those so well. Uh, and it's one of my sort of favorite discussions with you. Um, I'm curious from your perspective, again, this is sort of more as you're coaching. Um, did, you, did you feel like you, you know, those benefits that you talked about, um, you know, beyond obviously the, you know, the skill development uh, in a particular sport, um, were those things that you overtly tried to, you know, develop with your coaching or were you feel that they were more just inherent in the process? I'm just kind of curious as, as a coach and, or even as an administrator trying to lead your coaches, or were those things that, you know, you, again, were, were directly um, sort of tried to address or did you just feel that they were more sort of the byproduct of coaching and education and teaching? Uh, those guidelines, and I'll, I'll repeat them at the expense of being redundant, social, emotional, physical, psychological. Uh, those are the characteristics that are most important in sport, in my opinion, more important than uh, skill development. Yep. Those, those are the characteristics, uh, the, the personable, the personal value that can be obtained through sport, and I focused on those characteristics constantly, social, emotional, physical, psychological, uh, intellectual. Those are the benefits that are really at the crux of sport. Skill, yes, is very, very important, but uh, to 99.9% of the athletes that aren't going to go a heck of a lot further after their scholastic or collegiate experiences, uh, the takeaway uh, is not the skill. The takeaway are the intangible values derived from sport. And, yep. and that they were always my guideposts. And again, in retrospect, when you go back to your uh, student-athletes of 45, now 50 years ago, and you speak to them about what they gained from sport and what they gained, if anything, from your, as a coach, mentorship, those are the intangible things that stick with them. You know, it might be a phrase. It might be a, a uh, halftime speech that was, that was uh, totally intangible, but those are the takeaways. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's certainly what uh, what, what we try to emphasize as well with uh, you know our the high school sports participation and uh, yeah that it's less about the the achievement than it is the participation and the benefits that uh, are derived uh, from that. Um, sort of curious again as you're you know we've got hopefully a lot of uh, high school athletes who uh, who listen to this podcast and uh, and maybe have designs on. Uh, continuing their career at the college level where you spent a lot of your time. Uh, and John gave you a little bit of a, a peek behind the curtain here. I do send him some conversation topics and questions in advance so he could uh, get his mind working. And I didn't give him this one, so we'll have to uh, to see how well he thinks on his feet here. But if you were going to give advice to to an athlete, a high school athlete uh, who has div- you know intentions or hopes of competing at the the collegiate level you know whether it's division three or as a scholarship athlete at division one what advice would you give them how about that for a question that's 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 a good question and i I want to answer it thoughtfully and yes you didn't give me a clue on this (laughs) that's a good thing I, i i think the first thing to base is how special you are as a student athlete in high school or grade school, just to have made the team, just to be part of an organization that separates you, not not in a not to be exclusive, but it's something everyone could benefit from. And then to attempt to bring that to a higher level uh, in college because rather than uh, being out doing perhaps counterproductive things, study certainly not being counterproductive, but wasting time, uh, perhaps getting in trouble, uh, I think it's, it's well worth uh, your intensity and your focusing on your sport uh, so that you can, at the very least, and the very least is a lot, participate on a college team and advance all of those intangible things that we've talked about mm-hmm. that become part of your life both in college and beyond. So. Aspire, be motivated, don't burn out, and realize the value that you have and how special you are to compete on an intercollegiate team. So it's, it's, it's well worth the investment of time and energy. All right. That's, that's, uh, uh, that's an excellent answer for someone who was not prepared. Um, so uh, one one thing I like, you know, we've talked about. John was has done this for a very long time, and uh, and uh, I like to sort of uh, offer his the value of perspective and and of time, and and sort of ask him, is there anything you would have done differently uh, or perspective gained over the course of your career? Maybe looking back and and seeing the the sort of impact, as you mentioned, uh, of talking working with athletes. Uh, Anything you would change or, or sort of perspective that you feel like you've gained over the course of uh, your career? Uh, there's a lot that I would change. Um, although, with that said, I want to make it very, very clear that I, I had a very, very satisfying career 
and it comes back to roost when you hear former players come back and indicate what the experience was worth. But what it would have changed was I would have uh, listened more to, to my players. I remember two or three times in my career when things weren't going well, when at midseason uh, we might not have been where I had hoped we could be based on the talent we had and the cohesiveness we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once or twice, I can remember in my career, letting my armor down completely and sitting in a room with uh, 18 players in the sport of soccer and saying, okay, give me your best shot. Uh, what, what percentage of our failure at this particular time in the season uh, is attributable to me, the coach? And it's just incredible how bonding of those experiences were because given the opportunity, your players will tell you what they really think. And it's something that might actually hurt initially, but in each case where I had done that, uh, we have become stronger and we have become much, much more successful in each occasion it was a turning point yeah so one thing i would have done was let my armor down and allow myself to be an equal uh, with my players rather than feeling that i had to maintain this position on the pedestal because to do that is a sign of insecurity and we can all learn from each other so that's one thing that I would have done differently. Uh, I also would have had the courage to uh, treat players more individually uh, based on their uh, personalities and, and the, uh, the motivation that inspired them and realize that all players aren't the same and uh, that the hardest part of dealing with players that way is the sometimes the players perceive it as being uh, a little bit favorable toward one player who may have a tremendous amount of skill, mm-hmm. who may have practiced as a youngster uh, three times as much as a player who on the college level was somewhat mediocre, And I'm not sure, in retrospect, if it would have been that dangerous to uh, give credit where credit was due and treat one player slightly different than the other. Yeah. Uh, But but that that takes that takes courage and it takes a buildup of respect among the entire group, so that they understand what you're doing and where you're coming from and why you're doing it. Absolutely. Uh, One example that comes to mind is I was fortunate enough to. Uh, coach and Olympic caliber, professional caliber player who was just very, very unique. And I forced him into the same routine that I forced all the other players, i.e., at the beginning of every practice, run for five miles. But in his case, didn't do any good because he was in such superior physical condition anyway. It only did harm 
for him to run in cleats, halfway on grass, halfway on macadam, and a, a little bit of a justifiable um, flexibility there probably would have helped. Yeah. Who knows in retrospect, uh, but it, it's something that I would have given more thought to if I had it to do over again. All right. Well, I'm not sure. I'm trying to think if – oh, so, you know, this is something that uh, – and, and I think you've hit on some of this, but, uh, you know, the challenge of balancing sort of the, those benefits of participation that you mentioned with the sort of notion of competitiveness, you know, that this is sort of and, – and I think this is, again, is probably more relevant maybe at the high school level, but, you know, you hit on the idea that you coached sort of towards those values and benefits – in some way, but I know also you're as uh, as competitive a gentleman as I've met in in many ways, and uh, and and focused on winning as well. I'm just curious, sort of, from your perspective, where you, how you sort of work to to balance that goal, the ultimate team goal of of winning a competition, winning a championship, whatever it might be, with that notion of the benefits of the the competition and the participation itself. That's a pretty. Uh, pretty broad and uh, and wide-ranging question, but uh, I'll let you answer it as you see fit. As all of your questions are, Joel. Well, that's true. I, I, I'd like to make it uh, a little, as open-ended as I can for you to, to really explore the, the idea. <laughs> uh, the hardest part of being on this end is to try to focus on some, one of, one of the, one of the uh, points that you raise, all of which are very, very legitimate. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in this area, there, there's, there's no doubt that the supreme goal in my coaching was winning. Uh, winning within the rules, winning regardless of the obstacles, but winning. Uh, and and if, if, if winning were more possible because you were dealing with the social, emotional, physical, psychological uh, attributes of the individual. It was all toward toward that one goal of winning. I had a big problem. I, I coached for 20 years. I was administrator for 54. Uh, if I would lose a game, it was always my fault. If I lost a game in the last game of the season, it would bug me out in the boat in the summer fishing. Um, I, I don't quite know how to reconcile this with the even more important attributes that we've talked about that come out of sport participation, but I think that they can coexist harmoniously, and, and it, it's kind of uh, emphasizing the fact that you're dealing with the whole person and if that whole person is psychologically balanced and, and then you can meld that into a team balance, uh, your aspirations of winning are enhanced. So make, make no mistake, uh, I don't want to be a hypocrite, but uh, just like a surgeon uh, doing a heart operation, uh, you know, you you succeed or you fail, and it's a whole lot more beneficial to succeed, and I think that should be the same motivation in sport. 
Well, that certainly makes sense, and uh, and you explained it very well, even as I uh, I gave you a, a question that had very uh, broad parameters. So, John, we uh, it's always a treat for me to uh, to get on the phone with you and uh, and kind of wind our way through some of these topics, and uh, and it's all it's a pleasure that uh, I take a great benefit uh, from, and and wish we could do had time to do a little bit more, but fortunately the summers allow a, a little. Uh, a little break in the calendar so we can explore some of these things. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. So uh, hopefully our, our listeners enjoyed your perspective again, and then we'll uh, maybe put it on the calendar for next summer as well. So we are so grateful that you uh, are, are offering your thoughts to us and uh, we really appreciate it. And thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Joel. And I look forward to uh, next year's conversation and also to uh, Mark, how I change in my opinions over the next year. Well, that's uh, you've got plenty of time to think about that out on the boat where you ruminate about whatever game you lost. So thank you. Okay, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much to John again. Uh, again, just really uh, love having the chance to talk with him. He's a, he's a somebody who thinks deeply on a lot of this kind of stuff and uh, and stays plugged in despite, as I said, uh, as he said, he hasn't been involved in a professional capacity for quite some time, but is uh, now involved as, as a, a parent and a grandparent and a fan, but uh, still continues to give a lot of thoughts to some of these issues. And I just like picking his brain. So hopefully folks enjoyed checking out that that discussion. We hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you didn't, well, we'll be back again soon with a, a more traditional edition of the CIC cast. Don't you worry. Of course, reminder again, CICsports.com. Uh, at CIAC Sports on Twitter, facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. Those are the places you can get all the information you need about Connecticut high school sports. Once again, I'm Joel Cookson. We thank you uh, for joining us. Thanks again to John Reeves, and we'll hope you'll be back once I said, as I said, uh, should be back in two weeks again, I believe. We'll be back to our every other week schedule. And until then, thank you so much for listening to another edition of the CIAC Cast. <laughs>